0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Commons podcast. This topic may be sensitive to some listeners and listeners discretion is advised. But as always, thank you for listening and enjoy today's episode. We got over our cold finally. I mean, I'm working on it still. I mean, but it's it's gotten better. Right? Like I feel like even Magnus is starting to get a little better.
1: That's true. I don't know. Is is this news?
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I
1: mean, to be fair, it could have been the coronavirus.
0: Oh, yeah. I hope not, because that means that.
1: I mean, if it was, that means we're over it and we're good. Right.
0: <laughs> well, at least that's the hope, right? Right. I mean, hopefully we didn't get COVID, because that would be awful. Because we live with our my 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 grandparents who are very elderly.
1: Well, yeah, but they're not awful. they're not they're not sick, and we're getting better. So. Well,
0: right, but I mean, who knows? They could have attracted and that means that we're just waiting for them to start the symptoms it's
1: true but i don't know it's been well over a week i feel like most people show symptoms within seven days that's what i've heard
0: i feel like this is a conversation happening nationally like oh no what if i have it oh no i know like and i think this is the most relatable conversation we've ever had on this podcast is like but what if we have it what if we spread it to someone else like this is literally the mantra of the nation right now.
1: <laughs> I know, for real. Like, you get a cough, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm dying, I'm dying. You're like, my like,
0: throat's kind of dry, it- <laughs> this is it, two weeks. And,
1: yeah, <laughs> just put me in the morgue right here. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> oh, it's a scary time, man. Well, it
1: really is. Like, we joke about it, but, like, people are actually dying.
0: It's horrible. Did you see that it was something like this event is the fifth deadliest event in U.S. history? Behind, like, the Spanish flu, World War Two, the Civil War.
1: Yeah, you and mentioned then the Spanish flu.
0: I th- Wait, did I already say the Spanish flu? Spanish flu, World War Two, Civil War. There's one more in there that I, I'm forgetting, and then it's coronavirus. Right. And we're not even done yet.
1: I know. And, yeah, it's probably going to climb the ranks because a lot of these wars, like, were... They're, like, you know, all these events are super deadly, but... Right. I don't know. Sickness is so- something else, especially when... 'Cause you know, you only have to have a death rate of like, you know, the coronavirus is somewhere between one and five percent. Like we really don't well, know.
0: Yeah, I suppose uh, until we do more testing I feel like we're not gonna get accurate numbers.
1: Right. Like they really don't know how how deadly it is, but it's deadly enough to have caused a huge ripple effect and overwhelm hospitals, so Yeah. But that's what happens when you have one virus that goes around the world for the first time.
0: Yeah. And I and I I know I saw like this tweet that said something like like how very American of us to be bored of a pandemic and decide it's over
1: <laughs> Dude, seriously like I feel like everybody is just starting to relax and I'm like like yeah we live in Minnesota and we're fairly safe yeah we're lucky but the problem is like people are starting to relax now and it's you know we're gonna have another another wave of it if we're not careful
0: Yeah, I remember seeing a chart, and I don't remember exactly from where, so this could totally be fake news, but I'm going to share it anyways. Um, But it was showing a chart on, like, deaths per month during the Spanish flu, so, like, 1918 to 1920, during that time period of deaths attributed to the Spanish flu. And they talked about how there were restrictions and things that we're doing now, like social distancing. This is not something that we've done, or this is something we've done in the past. And they were showing how the response to the Spanish flu in 1918 um, how they had a bunch of restrictions at first and there's a low number of deaths and then people started asking for like restrictions to be eased and the government was like, yeah, sure, deaths seem to be low seems to be not that big of a deal and they did and the next month was literally a record setter and it set the trend for the next two years
1: That's crazy
0: and so I, I don't know if that would be the same thing with, with coronavirus because I don't know how the Spanish flu and the coronavirus are similar. I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know. Right. But just looking at a chart where everyone's comparing this to like the Spanish flu, it happened 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of similarities even in the spooky ways. Right. But who I, would,
1: I would just hope that, I don't know, there's just, with the, the way the internet is, there's just so much misinformation and it's so easy to... Uh, to believe something that's not true and it's so easy to second guess yourself because of the widespread contradictory information that's out there Yeah. and so like you really have to watch yourself and really like critically think about everything when you're trying to figure out what's actually a fact or not like it's so sad but we just you can't just see something and automatically assume that it's true
0: yeah, what did Ronnie Chang, the comedian, say on that one special he has on Netflix where he said something like, who oh, would have thought... he said
1: thought... a lot of things in that special. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what did he say, the one pertaining to, like, he said something like, who would have thought that all of human information could have made you this dumb? Oh. <laughs> like, you have the internet, which has access to all human knowledge and information, yeah, he said... and yet we are the stupidest generation <laughs> on
1: earth. <laughs> he said that using the internet is going to be, like... Like smoking, <laughs> like smoking cigarettes, <laughs> you're like, oh, you going to use the internet outside. It's secondhand stupidity. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is this is so true though. But honestly, I
1: mean, his Netflix special was one of my favorites. If you
0: have a chance to go watch it, go watch Ronnie Chang on Netflix. He's yeah. oh my gosh, is so funny. And uh-huh. the fact that he's from China criticizing America just makes it all the more funny, because it's just he comes from a place that we criticize all the time. And he's like, you don't understand. Us Chinese folk, we criticize our own country. Like he even said that in Chinese, the the Chinese word for China is like the Middle Land, mm-hmm. but but we, the word for America in Chinese is the Golden Land. Like we didn't even name our own shit as good as we named your shit, <laughs> you know. And and I think that's it, it. Just makes it so much more funny. He's like, I, I preface it with that, but you guys are kind of dumb, right? And well, anyways, we are, you just gotta though. go watch it. Uh, yeah, we it's, are so dumb as a nation. Uh,
1: the, yeah, his Netflix special was hilarious because it was mostly on it was on Americans and weddings. And since we <laughs> planned a wedding last year, because I guess he had to plan three weddings. Yeah. <laughs> and because because of his family that lived in different places and whatnot, and so I just I remember us planning one wedding and we went it like it was a wild story, but basically. Uh, me and uh, his mom planned our wedding in five weeks.
0: Wow, oh yeah, that's right, you and my mom did do a really good job of planning that on our
1: um but yeah, we planned month. a whole wedding for under four thousand dollars in f- five weeks <laughs> it was
0: a working class wedding
1: <laughs> and it w- it turned out really good like you wouldn't have thought that it was a budget wedding, but yeah, in yeah any it case, wasn't like
0: uh dollar store napkins were being, handed. No, 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 like we, we did it, we did it nice, we just, uh-huh. we just had to get creative, and we, did, we had help, yeah, and we did good, no, it was good, so yeah,
1: Anyway, we're not if here, you want tips. believe it or not, like this is, this podcast is not about the coronavirus, or Ronnie Chang, or weddings,
0: <laughs> believe it or not, you know, I think it's interesting, though, is what you said, like, Americans really are stupid, and I think this is a perfect segue in talking about gun control and gun rights and, and issues pertaining to these things. Yeah, that, because was, the, we that was what this, we're
1: trying well, to talk we about. Just,
0: we handled this issue of, of guns, like guns in general. We handled the issue and topic of guns so stupidly as a nation. Mm-hmm. Like, just in the way we talk about it, both sides. Both sides are so dumb. They don't get down to the reasons why we even have these issues or they can't be nuanced enough to talk about, you know, some of the issues between classes and race and, and, and that are so intertwined right. into this gun debate
1: like everything is so specific
0: oh yeah like and
1: you're people are looking at it big picture and also using slippery slope arguments
0: which are logical fallacies
1: <laughs> right and um it's just it's sad it
0: because really is.
1: it's it's fear-mongering and it's Really, the inaction is killing people.
0: It is. And I think, you know, I feel like in just our discussing of this show and going through the show notes together, I think we've found kind of a way that I feel like if more people were to listen to this and see these arguments, some of these actually might really make sense. And some of it doesn't have to be contradictory of either side of the argument. Because this gun debate is apolitical in a lot of ways.
1: Well, yeah, and it it, it should be. It shouldn't be about politics. And if it is, you're looking at it the wrong way.
0: Right. I, I really think that gun rights in general or the gun debate on gun control should be apolitical. I don't think that it should be a conservative thing to own guns and if you're a liberal, you tote that stereotype and never, you know, you're a pacifist.
1: Well, and the problem, the problem with making gun rights a political issue and not a social issue is because at that point, you're literally bargaining with people's lives. Because people are dying from gun violence every right. single day. And the if you make it political, and the politicians who make it political are using those lives as bargaining chips. Yeah. It's sick.
0: It really is sick. Because I think there's, there's a reasonable way that we can kind of go about this, you know? And... I think when when Second Amendment right activists sort of hear the idea of gun control, they freak out. You know, like, how many times have we seen the NRA back a politician who has promised to, like, veto or block any sort of bills or votes that would, you know, come into play on gun control? That, like, like, we're talking, like, zero amounts of gun control. Everybody has a gun. That's what the NRA wants. And stuff like that is, like, that's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But then you hear people on the left, in general, like left of center, mostly, talk about how like we need to ban guns. I think there were some candidates, like Beto O'Rourke, uh, who ran for president recently, mm-hmm. he said, like, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s and your AK-47s. And that type of, like, that type of assault ban is something that the left seems to be crying out for and again i feel like we've had this discussion even here or outside of this podcast even just today we talk about i feel like there's one side shouting one thing and then another side shouting something related but totally uncorrelated right and then they just shout over and under each other back and forth and there's no communication there's no connection on how we can solve the issue
1: right yeah although they're yelling at each other and all the while people are dying and the problem is still not getting fixed
0: right and I think um, I'm looking at our show notes here. Yeah, and I know, me to too. I just, I just flipped to it. Yeah. So do, you, do we want to start here at this intro bit?
1: Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Okay.
0: So I feel like if we were to look at the political spectrum and to like divide it into like segments. So if you were to view like a linear line, you have an x-axis.
1: Everything is a spectrum. Yeah, everything is a <laughs>
0: spectrum, right? But if you were to say to the far left, we call this alt-left. And then if we go to the far right, we call this Mm alt-right. You know, we have these two, those are the two ends. That's point A and point B. Mm -hmm. And in between you have all these sections. And you have like, you have left, and then you have like liberals. So like progressives and liberals. Then you have like left-leaning moderates, and you have centerists, and that's the center. And then you have like right-leaning moderates, conservatives, and like right-leaning, you know, right-wingers. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, the alt-right at the very end. So mm-hmm. those are, like, the places you could fall in on the political spectrum, and they yeah. have different nuances I'm not going to get into. Right. Um, but generally speaking, I think people would view anything le- or right of center to be, like, pro-gun. And that's sure. just not the case. There are plenty of right-leaning moderates who would side with other left-leaning moderates on some gun control. Yeah. And there are plenty of liberals, the bleeding heart liberal, <laughs> that would definitely call for weapon bans. Yeah. And I just, and I found, at least in my, in my, you know, scrolling through Twitter, Twitter's mm-hmm. not real, but, you know, just from what I'm seeing, I've seen that there are actually quite a few progressives and l- lefties who aren't necessarily pro-gun like you'd think, like not stereotypically pro-gun, but they're right. not anti-gun either. Right. And I think there's there's places on the left that do find the Second Amendment to be useful as a tool, which I found was interesting.
1: Yeah, well, I mean it's ingrained ever since, you know, we fought for our freedom from Britain because we had guns. Like, the United States and their, their ownership of guns, like, that's been something that's ingrained in us ever since the country was born. Yeah, it, it
0: really has been part of American culture for a long time, and I think it's it's interesting to point out that that uh, cultural piece, because I, I kind of want to dive in a little bit more into that. Because for one, I think gun rights are part of the working class lifestyle. And when I say working class, in general, I mean both people on the left and the right. It's an economic class. It's not a political class, mm-hmm. right? And so working class being people who fall under, let's just say, $75,000 a year per capita. We're talking... Generally, people who work blue collar jobs, your that,
1: average Joe, yeah, your average guy, right?
0: <laughs> and I feel like people and individuals who fall under that lifestyle are are under that economic class and live the lifestyle that is required to make ends meet in that bracket. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, it's 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 guns have historically been part of their lifestyle, their working class lifestyle. And part of that is because in the rural parts of the country, owning a gun is essential to not only their safety, but also their, their way of life through through hunting and defending their, their farmstead or homestead, you know? These have yeah. been issues that, like, you know, guns have been part of that culture since... It wasn't since... just
1: about, like, that one time you went hunting. Like, it's oh, actually yeah. something that's useful right. and necessary.
0: Right. I mean, we laugh because you remember when... Uh, <laughs>
1: It yeah, was that dude who was thing.
0: like, when they were talking about an assault ban after Beto O'Rourke said his thing, like, hell yeah, we're gonna take your AK-47s your AR-15s. And the dude was like, but what about the 50 feral hogs in my backyard? And we all thought it was some dude joking around. Yeah, we
1: all thought that, well, no, we thought it was like, I don't, I don't know what it, we, it, we thought it, thought it was, was, like a meme. it became a meme, yeah. It became
0: a meme, and we're all like, Dang, rednecks, 50 feral hogs, and then you look it up, and in it's Texas... It's actually a thing, it's evidently. actually a thing in Texas where people can die outside their front yard because feral hogs will run through the streets and kill you.
1: Like... Yeah, and he, yeah he was literally talking about like what am I gonna do about the feral hogs that r- are running through my yard when my children are playing I'm <laughs> like oh okay well that's actually a situation then
0: yeah and then you like your eyes sort of open you're like oh dang this is part of his his life
1: right like right
0: and now that's anecdotal but sure but you get what I'm saying like like clearly this is part of like their their working class lifestyle
1: oh yeah there's no there's no way that you could ban all guns there's just no way
0: right Especially not in this country. It's just too deeply ingrained in the culture. Yeah, the
1: culture. Like, people would riot in the streets.
0: Right. Well, and I think it's important that we go underneath as to why it was deeply embedded in our culture. And I think something that, even though we fought for our freedom from Britain and seceded from the empire and Mm -hmm. created and established our own free state and nation, I think it's important to recognize that our law is based off of English common law. Mm -hmm. And the English common law was, was something that when England was not united, it was something that all peoples could apply under. Sure. You know, it was the law. You know, you could have different nuances within the law, but there was always certain things. So, like, simple things like, like, you can't murder someone. That that's common law. It's fair, you know. Like, yeah, it is fair, and some of it's based on biblical law. But something that not many people know is that it's actually like Dane law before the Kingdom of England was was set up. Dane law was brought in and introduced the idea of a common law. So this is something that goes back thousands of years. You know, we're talking like the Viking age. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> this idea behind the right to bear arms is something that's been with human beings for literally since the time of Jesus.
1: Uh-huh. Which is and crazy.
0: It is crazy. And, and I think it's important, I want to share a quote quick from Sir William Blackstone, who was a member of parliament and judge. He was a Tory, which is the conservative party in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, this was in 1689. Uh, he said, uh, the last auxiliary right of the subject, you know, the, the individual... Is that of having arms for their defense suitable to their condition and degree and such as are allowed by law, which is declared by the statute is indeed a public allowance under due restrictions of the natural right of resistance and self-preservation when the sanctions of society and law are found insufficient to restrain the violence of oppression. Now, I want to break that down because that's a lot of old timey speak and I don't want to lose anyone (laughs) because this is really important to the basis of this argument Mm -hmm. is that I want to point out a few things he talks about how it's the last auxiliary right. Like, after all the other things that you can do in your life, this is one of the last things that you can hold true to.
1: Right, like a last stand, so to
0: speak. Yeah, this is, the, you, when all other options are exhausted, this is your right to freedom. This is, or your insurance to freedom, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's one. So it's not the first, you know, forethought of, like, the the mind of the subject or the mind of the individual, the civilian, right? right. It should be the last resort. Um, but it is a public allowance, which I think is equally important to point out and why I think this, this, uh, this idea behind the second amendment that everybody should have it is, is BS. Not everyone should have it. Cause this is an allowance. Think about like what, like when we were growing up as kids, like you were given <laughs> an allowance for doing something good, but right. if you didn't do that good thing, you didn't get the allowance. Uh-huh. So this was not necessarily a right to own arms it was a right it was an allowance to have the arms but it was because of the natural right of resistance and self-preservation and yeah. that's the big thing is that this man this this conservative in england back in the 1600s had the foresight to recognize that as technology and as the society itself progresses forward there're going to be different challenges but one right. thing will remain certain is human nature and humans aren't very nice people Right, humans in general are pretty effed up. You've done some pretty pretty crazy bad things. And it should be a natural right that you have a, a right to self-preserve yourself. That yeah. if you're put under duress, whether enslaved to a oppressive system or you're under threat of life, you have a right to resist and you have a right to self-preserve your, your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, and that's totally, totally fair. Now, I can hear all of the conservatives screaming in the background, <laughs> but Austin, it is a right to bear arms here. And
0: that's that's because <laughs> common law is not what we apply to. We have constitutional law, and that's totally right. different, and we're going to dive into that in just a second. But the reason why I want to point out this as natural law,
1: <laughs> right?
0: I want to point this out as natural law, mm-hmm. is that you have a right above all other rights to self-preserve. Yep. Now... This is this the reason why I say it's natural is cuz it's it's nature. Yeah. Tell me Kelsey who hunts deer with your dad. <laughs> if you shoot at the deer and you miss, you hit the tree behind you. What are the two things it does?
1: Either what what happens and I've seen it happen both ways. Yep. One thing that they do is they freeze. Why? Cuz they're thinking, well if something is out there. They you know, sudden sudden noise. Yep. You're the deer. You don't know where the noise comes from. So if you freeze, you're a deer. You're supposed to blend in with the woods. Yep. And so if you don't move, they can't see you. Or right. at least that's what they're thinking.
0: Right. And what's mm. the other thing that they do?
1: Now, either this happens right away or it happens immediately following the freeze the next time that a noise is made is they bolt.
0: Hmm. Why do they bolt? Why do they freeze?
1: Because of self-preservation. Yeah, it's
0: in the best interest of the deer to stay alive. Right. (laughs) Above all else, it will try to survive. It'll try to preserve oneself. And I think that's... that. We humans are no different. (laughs) We have the right to self-preserve, and we will do everything to the last breath to self-preserve. Now... That does not mean that means own a gun and shoot at anyone who offends you. <laughs> right. You know, that, that means
1: is, if your life is in danger, you have the right to defend yourself.
0: You do have the right to defend yourself. Now, in which manner, we can dive into the nuances as we continue on. But I want to establish the fact that every human being on this earth has the right to self preserve. Mm-hmm. At least attempt. If right. they lose, that's also nature, it's called death. <laughs> But generally speaking, funny. you have the right to resist and ha- have self-preservation. Mm. Um, that's not necessarily political. And I really want to establish the foundation of this argument as apolitical. That everybody on the left and well, the yeah, right. yeah, it's
1: inherently apolitical because it applies to everyone. Yeah,
0: it's not political and it's not classist either. This is, this is a natural thing. Right. Um, now, we live in America and we have constitutional law. This is the law. This is the rights of the citizens. This is something that if you're a citizen of America, you have a right to to whatever the Constitution says. Mm-hmm. This is this is the law. This is not a matter of opinion. This is how it is. Mm-hmm. You have the right to not bear arms, <laughs> but regardless of what you think about firearms, you also someone has the right to bear arms. This mm-hmm. is the law. That doesn't mean the law could never change, but it's it's obviously really difficult to change the Constitution. Amendments are very hard to pass. They don't right. happen very often.
1: And, yeah, and for good reason. Like it, The Constitution was supposed to be the law of the land, and the difficulty in changing it was supposed to be a, a check to balance out the government.
0: Yeah, and, and so that doesn't mean it won't change, but at the time of recording, this is the law. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about why it's the law. And so first let's read what the Second Amendment says. Why don't you go ahead and read that?
1: Yeah, sure. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed.
0: Okay, so it talks about two things there, right? It talks about a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. So what are militias?
1: They're basically renegade armies. (laughs)
0: Renegade, I don't know. Unprofessional for sure. Sure they're they're supposed to be part of, of Trying to use your flashy community
1: language but yeah it's yeah. it's literally just some uh, people
0: would agree with you some people would agree with the original sentence. well i'm sure some items.
1: of them are renegade <laughs> but well
0: yeah there are plenty i mean i've heard like just recently i think it was this year maybe last year there was a militia in oregon oregon that <laughs> was sheltering republican senators in the state senate in oregon because they were not they didn't want to vote on some bill, again, I'm not very knowledgeable in this situation, but there was a bill that had to be voted on that they weren't going to vote on. Huh. That they didn't want to vote on. They didn't want to even be present for. So
1: they were hiding.
0: So they were hiding. <laughs> and the, the militia, the 3%, which they're a na- nationwide militia, um, they, they are really far right on the militia scale. And, it's and crazy they were to think that there are them.
1: actual militias out there. Like I've just never heard of them. There's,
0: there's none. Well, there might be one or two in Minnesota, but they're <laughs> not like something that we have to deal with here in Minnesota. Sure. But regardless, I don't think people in Oregon have to even deal with these people. But they, they went out to Eastern Oregon, these senators, and they were in hiding with this militia, and the militia was defending them under the, the right of of the Second Amendment. Is that? Uh-huh. They had, they had the the constitution on their side to preserve a free state and that the senators had a right to not vote mm-hmm. but the governor of oregon sent the federal no not the federal government the state like state troopers after him and they said that they would defend these senators if if by force if necessary
1: wow against that's these
0: states so crazy. so we're talking like these people really took a stance against their state government and that's the point of a militia mm-hmm. is that is that if they feel strong enough, they have a right to defend their position, even yeah. if it's by force. Now, I think eventually these senators came out of hiding and went to vote on it. Eventually, I think that's how the story ended. <laughs> but my point is, is that the militias themselves were representing their Second Amendment right by standing against the state government. Uh-huh. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the militias on the issue, but I don't think it's wrong that they did what they did. Now, I might get in a lot of trouble because I'm talking about this on a podcast and talking about, you know, disobeying state orders. But I I do believe that that's part of your right as a citizen in this country, especially in a militia, to defend your position on that.
1: Well, yeah, and that's really, it is the point. And, you know, maybe in that case it was unnecessary. But the point is to prevent the government from getting too big. Yeah, because if all of the people rise up, like no matter how powerful the government is, no matter how much money they have, it doesn't matter if you die. And right. So,
0: well, and I think, I think for me, like in saying that, like that doesn't mean I'm an anarchist.
1: Like I don't right. think we should just no. revolt
0: against everything that the state says, because the state is a democratically elected government. Like we no. put them there one way or the other.
1: In fact, let me make a point. The I think that the reason why. It's the Second Amendment and not the First Amendment is because, you know, the First Amendment is the freedom of speech argument.
0: Yeah, which can I read that quick? Yeah, go ahead. So the First Amendment is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of agreements, which redress just means, like, make right.
1: Yeah. And so, so I think it. I think our founding fathers were telling us to read between the lines here a little bit and see that they were telling us that the pen is mightier than the sword. Right. Because they put the free speech argument first before the gun rights argument. Right. And so you know, by that logic, you're supposed to use freedom of speech
0: to defend your points. To first. defend
1: your points until you can't do it that way anymore. And even even the quote by Sir William Blackstone
0: yeah.
1: admits that, like, when, when the sanctions of society and laws are found insufficient, like, to you're, supposed to, you're supposed to wait and use all of your other resources first. Right. And then at the, you know, as a last stand, if you have no other choice, then you use your right to bear arms to forcefully right. take back well, also, freedoms. if
0: we go back in history and we look at what happened with the the American Revolution, in 1775, there were multiple delegations from the Congressional Congress sent to the King of England. I think Benjamin Franklin was part of them, and he was pleading before the King of England to allow the, 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 the colonies to secede from the empire and establish their own freedom. They went and pleaded the political argument over and over and over again. And I think at first, the first demands was the no taxation without representation. They asked for representation in Parliament, Mm -hmm. which is based in London. Right. So that would mean that they asked first for the freedom to, if you're going to tax us, at least allow us a say in Parliament.
1: Right. And the the king
0: was strictly opposed.
1: The murmurings of the Revolutionary War started long before the war actually started.
0: Yeah. And that's when the Continental Congress... Came together to talk about. Hey, we've sent delegations from the colonies to the king and to Parliament, and we have received no support. Mm-hmm. What do we do now? Right. And so again, they took the English common law, which was the law of the colonies before the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution was was brought into effect after the war. The law of the land was still the common law. You still had magistrates, which mm-hmm. is an English term, like the English judges, uh, like judicial system was still the was still the law. And the law which was interpreted by mr william blackstone was that you were to bring your case forward politically and air it out through debate as far as that will go to the very end and then when you feel like you've hit the end you try again and again and again and again because the last thing you want is resort to violence but if all other options have failed and it is a matter Of self-preservation and resistance to the oppression of society then violence may be taken Uh and I think this is not something again this is why I say this is a working-class issue and not just like a political issue is because both sides of the political spectrum have supported this idea for a long time and the reason why I bring that up is because Karl Marx the father of communism and uh, Frederick Engels the Co founder of the Communist, or the co writer of the Communist Manifesto, said this. He said, under no pretext should arms or ammunition be surrendered by any attempt to disarm the workers because they must be frustrated by force if necessary. Now, this is Karl Marx, a lefty as lefty comes. He was, he is like, by some considered to be as far left as you can go. Now, there are some people who do go farther left than he does, Mm -hmm. which is pretty. Pretty credible it's quite a feat
1: right but but he's the farthest left that you can go without sounding like a complete whack job
0: yeah without talking about aliens and utopia Um, (coughs) excuse me no offense to anyone out there Um, but but as far as this goes like he is the inspiration for plenty of lefties in fact most lefties have probably read capital or at least the Communist Manifesto or at least know his name Mm -hmm. they at least know that much of Marxist thought is really revolutionary and, and, and very much working class... I mean, he calls for a dictatorship of the proletariat, which is like the working class rule indefinitely and, and with authority. And so this is, this is coming from a lefty on that authoritarian scale. And he even believes that we must not surrender any arms or ammunition. Why? Well, because if your freedoms are being taken away... You gotta push back, and you should push back with words. But if you have to, you know, as he puts it, it even if it's frustrated by force, mm-hmm. if you put forward with violence, it's still better than having your freedoms taken away. Yeah, this is part of what Karl Marx said, and this is also part of what Sir William Blackstone said, and this is what's in the Constitution.
1: Mm-hmm. It's there for a reason. Right. It's and, the, no, and it, yeah, I think the fact that all of these people. From all portions of the spectrum are saying these kinds of things, like, I think it proves that it isn't a political issue.
0: Right. And a side note now, I know there are people within the working class that would ask for an assault re- weapons ban or, you know, an entire weapons ban. I know there are people out there who believe that.
1: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And
0: I know that there are even minorities because I just watched a video on a black man who was jogging through a neighborhood and two white men got out of a cr- truck and shot him twice and he tried to resist. But he was unarmed, two dudes with a gun versus you who's jogging on the road. I mean, it's just...
1: Yeah, it's no contest, unfortunately.
0: And it was super sad to watch. And his mom went on CNN and talked about how, you know, they talked about the gun rights issue a little bit. They talked about the racist issue mostly, but uh, right. gun, gun rights kind of got intermingled in there. And, and I'm sure because of the situation that she was put in where her son was killed while jogging, for fuck's sake...
1: Yeah, honestly, like how awful,
0: awful situation, like no disrespect to her. But I'm sure if you were to ask her to vote today, if we should ban all weapons or not, I'm sure she would. Now, that being said, I feel like now I don't know the stats on this, so don't quote me. But if you look in the media, who are the people who call for weapons banned mostly? It's white suburban women. And it oftentimes happens after a school shooting, which is super tragic no one should die from a school shooting. Those are kids, and they have all of their life in front of them, and yeah, I'm totally honestly, sympathetic. Honestly, I,
1: I cannot believe that more didn't happen after the Sandy Hook shooting. Like, right. They're freaking kindergartners.
0: It's so sad, and I don't want to come off as insensitive or unempathetic in any manner, because I totally am, and my solution would not be, "Well, oh, we should just arm the schools with guards, you know? and, and yeah. That's not a solution either yeah. at this point.
1: Police state, hello.
0: Right, but... What I do want to say is, is that if you look at what they've gone through, now there are plenty of people in the minority communities across this country, people in the working class, who suffer traumatic events like that from a brutal police state, like New York City's police, is totally corrupt. They they are totally out to to harm and put down minorities. We've seen it in videos day after day after day. That's not to say there maybe are good cops within them, within their ranks. There's definitely profiling though. But there is so much profiling and you've seen it in laws throughout the years. And my point is is that you rarely hear from those groups. You rarely hear from those groups. And I think when white people finally feel the pain that these minorities have, have been feeling, all of a sudden they scream out and the media covers it and they're like wow look at all the pain that they're suffering. But for so long they ignored the pains of the working class and the minority right. communities of this nation, and so I find it interesting that the gun debate is now being put on a you know oh, yeah because a pedestal. lot of the, a
1: lot of the school shooters in fact most of them are white males.
0: It's incredibly a disproportionate amount of them are yeah, white It's males. incredibly dis- disproportionate, and so as a white person myself, it's really interesting talking about this the, like, these gun rights because if you look at who does like quite a bit of the of the, like, school shootings and those mass shootings happen to be white men a lot of the times. Right. And who defends the Second Amendment the hardest? White men from rural America. Mm-hmm. Really strange how those two things correlate. That yeah. does not mean that we should all of a sudden be like, oh, because the white men from the rural areas defend the Second Amendment, and they also commit the school shootings, we should just ban them from guns, or we should ban guns in general. I think, right. again, we need to sort of separate some of these things. I just I, find yeah, it interesting. Yeah, I think it's
1: it's interesting, and I think it's also very... It has to do with the culture and how these people are brought up and whatnot. Like, I think minorities are taught to be very careful because they're discriminated against. Right. And so the it, it tends to have the opposite effect when it comes to school shootings, I think, because right. that happens, you know?
0: Right. Well, I think, you know, something that I was thinking about is I think, I think what white privilege in America does, because it does exist. Now, that's not to shame white people. And I think whenever I see people who have like white guilt, I think it's really really sad because there's no reason that you should be ashamed of who you are. Mm-hmm. But you also need to recognize that in America you ha- there's a certain amount of privilege that that is gifted to white people from birth. yeah, and the reason that I think we need to be aware of it is that is that if if you're white, you need to be aware of the liberties that you don't even realize that you have so yeah. Like um, Again, I saw another video about how a white guy was running through the neighborhood with his gun in his hand talking about how he was going to shoot people. The cops surrounded him and they're like, put down the gun, put down the gun. They screamed at him for like a minute and by the time he had raised up his weapon, so he raised his weapon and put it up like he was Han Solo. And he's gotten in the air and he leans up against the post like he's going for a final stand and it wasn't until he extended his arms that they shot him.
1: What a dipshit.
0: But yet, black men have been shot for carrying a green water gun in a park during the day where they're squirting guns at kids and someone shoots them because they thought it was a real gun so my point is is that there's clearly a disproportion when it comes to this when it comes to this right white men traditionally have been given the benefit of the doubt when black men have not and i think that's incredibly sad so the first thing i think we need to correct about the second amendment right is not that we should then lower where that white person is at and say they should never be able to have guns in the same way that we shouldn't say that anybody shouldn't have guns. Mm-hmm. But we also need to understand that if if someone's holding a weapon, you need to stop being afraid of minorities, first of all.
1: Right. And honestly. Just, like, like we have enough people in the United States that are non white. Like, can we please get over this?
0: Yeah, it really shouldn't be an issue. Like it's 2020 people. Like, stop being afraid of that black guy down the street. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I have to explain this to some of our friends because they get scared of the hood, you know, the ghetto.
1: Oh, I know. And like it's just even disgusting. just talking to my parents, it's like, oh my gosh! Like they grew up, and where yeah. were racism, even like very like overt racism that they don't think is racism. Yeah, is just acceptable. Like just the way my parents talk, I'm like, holy crap. Is that really what they grew up in?
0: Right, and I think it's so sad because I just, and I think what's really opened my eyes—I've talked about this a little bit before—is that my experience through soccer really opened my eyes and kind of drew me away from that culture. Yeah. Is because I've in, I've I've not been with a majority white group for so long. Like, well, I've not yeah, had a sports group kind of level the playing
1: field. That's what the beauty of sports is. It's like, yeah. you're.
0: It's it, basic merit. Right. You know, it's a meritocracy like, as meritocracy gets.
1: <laughs> right. If you're good, you're accepted.
0: Right. And there are a lot of good soccer players who aren't white. A <laughs> <The> majority <laughs> of good soccer players aren't white.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> it's have kind we of funny. have we heard the what's going going on in the United States with soccer?
0: Yeah, it's awful. And you know, I think for me, like I've 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 gotten to get to know some of these people and I realize that some of them are really, really genuinely good human beings and it has nothing to do with culture in general. Like, I, I don't feel like black culture produces violent men, like you hear from a lot of white people. And I think this is just totally false. And so I think we need to get rid of this narrative that a particular culture creates violent people. I really think circumstance creates violent, violent people.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, if you're born into a low income, like, you are so much more likely to have to break the law to survive.
0: Yeah. And and here's another thing that I was thinking about is that, you know, when it comes to gun rights, like. Who can own guns? Well, it's upstanding citizens. Generally, there's background checks done and stuff like that. But I started thinking about what that means. Uh When you get a background check, they check your criminal record. Well, there are plenty of people, and minorities are at a disproportionate advantage in this, is that you can get charged with a marijuana charge way easier if you're not white. Because I know plenty of white people who smoke and don't have charges against them. But I know plenty of minorities who have smoked weed one time and gotten charged for it because they were out in, in a parking lot with their windows down and someone called the cops on them.
1: Right. And I mean it's anecdotal so we don't have statistics but Right.
0: but I it, know if there's any everywhere. minorities listening right now. It's everywhere. You would you could confirm this just because it's 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 just almost common knowledge at this point. Right. Um I saw a stat that said something like the majority of marijuana charges are directed at black men and yet the majority of of people who buy weed in this country are white.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so true. There's so many.
0: And so my point being is that if you have a marijuana charge on you, that, it's, that's... It's rich
1: white kids that don't have anything else to do with their money or their time. And, like, that,
0: and here's, here's another thing. I don't think it's wrong if you smoke weed. That shouldn't be a criminal issue. But here we are talking right. about how it's a criminal issue. And the reason why I think it's sad and it pertains to the Second Amendment rights sort of thing... Is that if you smoke marijuana and you get caught by the cops and you go to you know you go to a court and they deem you guilty and that goes on your record, it's impossible to buy a gun from there in most states. Wow. And so again, when we talk about minorities in the working class, like because many of the minorities minority groups in this nation statistically fall majority of their population fall in the working class, mm-hmm. and this is why some of these issues are intertwined with race racial issues. Because the majority of minorities have the talent, have the ability, and sometimes even have the experience and the credentials and the degrees necessary and the lifestyles necessary to promote themselves and their families out of that position. And yet it still doesn't happen. Right. So we have a little bit of systematic racism at, at play here, which is why I'm sure you will see plenty of, of, of racial minorities speak up on this Second Amendment rights issues because it's the white people who have all the guns, which, as we talked about before, the right to bear arms is intertwined with your freedom. And so if you don't have the right to bear arms and to defend yourself, regardless of the circumstances, your freedom has the greater chance of being infringed upon. And I think that's really sad, is that of a lot of things that uh, we talk about on this podcast have to do with racial justice, and we haven't touched on it much, unfortunately. Well, but we're also very early
1: there. in our, we, we have a lot of things to talk
0: about. <laughs> that's true. But when it comes down to these these topics, like, I think we need to be acutely aware of how systematic racism has put minority groups in this country at a disproportionate disadvantage Right. when it comes to the right to bear arms and defend themselves. Because here's the thing. Everybody, if you're a human being, you have a right to self-preserve. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's systems at work in this country that make it incredibly difficult for minority groups to preserve themselves. Right, yeah. I mean, even if we just went away and we moved away from the gun argument and we went to the culture argument, there is so much that the U.S. government has done in the past to try and whitewash groups. Yeah. Native Americans are a really good example to look at how, like, reservation schools had tried to, like... Th- I mean, we're talking, like, reports were given to the government on how to teach some of these native kids on how to beat the native out of them in quotations that is awful
1: you guys didn't see it but i i I rolled my eyes
0: yeah (laughs) it's and so the 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 idea and right of self-preserving it has got to be a number one issue for people
1: yeah i totally agree if
0: you believe that we should all have weapons that means everybody right and i'm i'm going to go on a limb here and say that there are plenty of conservatives that would be very nervous if they found out that the African-American population in America all of a sudden just became armed. That would make so many people nervous for no goddamn good reason.
1: Uh, Yeah, I know, and it's disgusting. But, like, did you you hear what happened about the – or with the masks? Like, there were uh, a lot of people from African-American communities that were like, I'm not wearing a mask because – or you know a bandana because a lot of it you know there's oh, a lot of bandanas around because that's oh like a, that's like a gosh. gang symbol or something. That's and awful. Yeah, they were like, I literally can't wear a face covering unless it looks like a medical mask and you know if you don't have a mask or the means you know if you're not crafty enough or if you don't have somebody that can make one or if you can't order one and you have to use a bandana like you're screwed.
0: Forget about Second Amendment rights. Let's talk about the idea of just, like, their their basic... Like, we're talking about basic rights of self-preservation are being infringed. Right. These because, are... I mean,
1: if you think about it, like, I saw this meme the other day that was like, man, three months ago, if you'd walked into, you know, uh, the bank with a mask on your face, people would have thought you were going to rob the place. Yeah, right. And we all laughed, but then... It was actually a legitimate problem when this started to become a requirement in some places where minority groups were like, I'm not wearing a face mask because it would put my life in danger.
0: That breaks my heart. That's really sad. I mean, they're just human beings, guys. I know. Like, they're really just people. No different than you and your family. Just, right. Just people. They, they may have different traditions and different customs and different styles, but they're human beings and i think that's that's incredibly sad that this is the situation we're living in like forget about them being able to carry and and you know a firearm Let's like this is a public health even,
1: like, crisis and and they can't even they can't even take protective measures without being concerned
0: that's this is something that we will have to da- dive into a whole separate podcast on yeah we will have future. to do a
1: whole podcast on the coronavirus yeah. and the debacle that is the current situation
0: right but if we were to talk about this in terms of like the attack on self-preservation, you know, originally the second amendment was established in order to ensure the right to of self-preservation and that's only if the first amendment was not sufficient. Right. right. Like if if your first amendment right is not being upheld or you're using your your, you know, your you're using your first amendment right. Appropriately, and it's still not enough. Well, then yes, you should have the right to bear arms and make your case right. through aggressive negotiations, as Anakin Skywalker <laughs> would say. Um, and and I think something that I heard. Uh, a police officer even talk about and how he would say that it's good for the community to have access to, to weapons like that is because the police are by definition employed to the state and the state sets the laws. And if the laws mm-hmm. get out of hand, police officers are by law required to uphold the law, even if they're not good ones. Right. And so not even the police are safe in this respect, where if the police are because they have a, they have a duty to uphold the law. And right. if the law doesn't make sense, it still it has to be the duty of the citizens the law. To, to defend what's right. Because just because it's a law doesn't mean it's morally right. Right. And so if there are moral issues at stake, it's good that the civilian population have access to weapons to defend their moral rights, their natural rights.
1: Well, yeah, and not only that, it's just good practice to know, like, these things are dangerous, but they're more dangerous if you don't know how to use them.
0: Which is actually a good point, because we should say now is that now we've made a lot of pro gun arguments leading up to this point. But this is where conservatives if they were listening would would scream because we're going to talk about how having common sense gun control is actually pro gun. Yeah. Like let's break it down. Uh, pro the- Second Amendment. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Pro pro Second Amendment. So what does the Second Amendment say again? It talks about a well-regulated militia. Well, you're not a very well-regulated militia if you don't even know how to properly use a firearm or clean it or take care of it or store it. Right. That's not very well-regulated now, is it?
1: No, not at all.
0: So we talked about this and we thought, yeah, we would support something. I think Cory Booker, I'm not a huge fan, but he suggested during the debate one time where if you need a license to drive a car, you definitely need a license to purchase a firearm. Right. And so let's we'll talk so which, about those stats.
1: Yeah, which brought up a really interesting <coughs> point. I decided to research some statistics. I know these don't all mesh exactly. Some of them are from different years, but they're all within the same five-year period mm-hmm. uh, where I pulled these statistics from. So in, uh, there's 37,461 deaths from car crashes so mishandling of vehicles or yeah. so acts 37, of God from 37,000 people
0: die from 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 vehicle mishap
1: right now from guns there have been 39773 fatalities
0: almost 40000
1: right now they're roughly the same. And the, the the first statistic, the cars, was from 2016. And the second statistic was from 2017. So not from the exact same years. Right. But it's close enough within the same time period to where you can you can draw a link. Yeah. They're relatively similar.
0: But the amount and of people so, that own a car.
1: Right. But, you know, I got to thinking about that. I was like, okay, it's similar. But, you know, you got to look dive deeper. Yeah. How many people are using cars? Um, in 2019... It says that there were 222 million people in the United States that had a driver's license. Okay. Now, we'll just go off of that, because I realize that there are some people that don't o- have a driver's license or a valid one that still drive. But let's just That's a whole that other problem, but yeah. we'll use this statistic for the sake of argument. Yep. Now, 30% of the U.S. population, which, which is, is roughly 98.5 mm-hmm. million, own guns. So... That is more than double the people in the United States that have cars and drive them that have guns. So why isn't the death rate from cars more than double? Why is it the same?
0: Yeah, probably because you have to go through driver's ed and then you have to pass a driver's test and you have to take a knowledge test. You have to do all these tests. You have to have instructors with you.
1: Well, and that's the, that's the crazy thing, is that if you were required to go through, basically, licensure in order to own a gun... Like, guns and cars are just as dangerous as each other.
0: And, and, and some would say, even from people who are, like, gun people or just, like, car people... Someone even talk about how, like, the mechanics of owning a gun is just as complicated as owning a car. And how you have to keep up, and you have to repair, and you have to replace parts, and you have to do work. I mean, your dad, who owns guns, has talked about how he's, you know, he's found in your grandpa's attic, like, rusty old guns, and had to take them apart and repair them and put work into them to get them back to functioning order again.
1: Right. And it's, they are complicated, and, you know, it's not crazy, but it is a puzzle.
0: Yeah. And so, well, in the same way that any any person could get behind the wheel of a car, put the keys in, turn it on, and start driving down the road, but for for lasting care and understanding how they work, so that they don't hurt themselves or hurt the <coughs> vehicle, they have to keep doing repairs on them consistently. You still,
1: well, yeah, and you need to learn the rules of the road with cars and with guns. Like you need to know. Like certain things that you wouldn't think of, like having the safety on all the time if right. you're not, if you're not using it right away. Like you wouldn't think to do that if you didn't go through an education course.
0: Right. Well, and
1: so if even if you were required to be put through a rudimentary education course with guns, like I I am personally in favor of nobody owns guns unless you get educated first. You Without go through I the agree. education, you pass a background check, you get a permit. Then you can buy a gun. Yeah. That's my personal opinion.
0: Well, I think things like that would 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 be pro-gun. Because if we're talking about, you know, you, as a civilian population that's part of a well-regulated militia, well, militias are just civilians who are unprofessional and they train together. Well, right. In the interest of, of freedom and a free state, it's it's in the best interest of the civilian population to know how to bear arms and to know how to take care of them well and when you're talking and how are you ab- gonna know when you're talking like, about self- YouTube video
1: when you're talking about self-preservation like it ends up being contradictory when you have all of these people that are dying from guns like right. guns more than likely like with the exception of like cops using them like I would make the argument that guns probably more kill more people than they save when you're talking about regular people handling them.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Well, I'm sure you're right. Well, what that's I mean. what I'm but saying. Like, what, like,
1: accepting, like, the military and cops and people who are trained in using them, like, when you're talking about regular civilians using guns, I would I would think that they kill more people than they save.
0: Oh, sure. Well, I wonder, because it's kind of hard to know. Cause if yeah, someone, you can't
1: know, and that, I, I might be wrong. It's hard to calculate
0: people saved, because there could be, like, you could think about, like, people who have the thought in their head, like, that dude might have a gun on them could right. have prevented them from doing something stupid that could have got them killed. And just that thought alone could keep them away. And right. might have, we just don't know. We'll never know the stats on that. Right. But something that I thought was interesting, at least pertaining to this whole issue on, like, education and stuff, is, is I heard something that, like, you know, two-thirds of gun deaths in America are su- were suicides. Yeah, and and I think this is something that again, like you talked about, having the education, but going through a background check, something that um, plenty of Nordic nations require you to do if you're going to purchase a firearm. Like other than the U.S. and then Yemen, which is the second most guns per capita, Finland has the third most guns per capita, and in Finland, you have to pass a psychiatric evaluation. You have to go to therapy to get evaluated, not just for the purpose of guns, but to for your own mental health. <coughs> and then the therapist will tell the the government. Like, you have to get written, consented permission from that therapist who's regulated under the the government right? to determine if that person is of sound mind to operate a firearm.
1: Yeah, well, and I would 100% support that. You should be evaluated. Like, people right. who are mentally unstable should not have guns. No. People with a history of suicidal tendencies shouldn't have guns. No. People that have any sort of... Uh, schisms with reality, like schizophrenia or, you know, hallucinations, like they should not have guns.
0: Right. And I think if we were to look at the gun death amount that you have here, the almost 40,000, like two thirds of that. I mean, that's like 25,000 people that that died from suicides of that number. I mean, that's more than half. 66% of the population of those people that yes, had died is definitely more than half <laughs> obviously I know my fractions <laughs> um, I think in general you could if you if we were to figure out who is able now I'm sure some of these people who died from suicides got the gun from like a parent who wasn't being careful with their guns now that brings that's me to that's where next
1: the point. education part comes in
0: education because in that education I'm sure, because also in other countries like Finland, you have to buy a gun safe and have it documented that you have a gun safe before you can buy the firearm.
1: Yeah. like so you need should... to keep
0: that, that shit under locking key. Right. And that's something that, again, like, now, I've heard pro, pro-gun rights people say, like, I'm not going to keep it in a safe because what if the burglar's in there? It's like, dude, if you can't unlock your safe in .5 seconds, you are going to die anyways. Like that burglar is right. gonna come in and take your stuff and leave anyways. You shouldn't there are safes in there that you literally punch in three numbers. Boop, 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 and the safe opens up for you. Right. You yeah, can keep I it mean, next keep to your bed it, if you want to. Yeah, There's, keep the
1: safe in your bedroom if you have to. Yeah. But
0: I know people who own guns and they they have a gun safe and it's just on the other side of their bedroom. So if they hear you know, if they hear the you know, someone coming in the door. Or something, someone late at night, he can get out of bed, jump over to the side of the room, punch it in, and grab whatever gun is right there for him. Again, it's not a huge restriction, so I totally reject the argument that like it, it inhibits the speed in which someone can get obtain. Or yeah, get what their are hands you gonna sleep firearm. with it
1: under your pillow?
0: Well, yeah, and so you know,
1: like you have to load the gun and everything. Still, like you're supposed to keep it unloaded. And so it would take you less time to take it out of the safe than it would to load it. And so I, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so again, I think keeping keeping hands out of young people, keeping guns out of the hands of, of young people, particularly school aged people, right. I think is a must. Because the Parkland shooter was like an 18 year old kid who spent two months planning this 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 horrible atrocity he was going to commit, and then no one knew, but he went to a, a gun shop, bought an assault rifle, and bought a bunch of mags and a bunch of ammunition and he's 18 years old. Again, I feel like if he would have seen a therapist and he had to go through all the education and all that stuff that we might be able to catch some of these crazy people. Right. And so there's no way that we're going to stop all the all the gun violence, you know, by by banning things or by even placing an educate. We're not going to stop it all, but the point is is some of this is preventable. And that's yeah. what makes this tragedy so sad is that in the in the in the interest of self-preservation, we have a second amendment that protects us from bad people because bad people will have guns whether we ban them or not. A law doesn't make it never happening. If, 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 you know, bad guys applied to the law like we wish they would, there would never be anybody who would murder people.
1: Right, but also in the interest of self-preservation, we need to implement these common sense, really, tactics in order right. to educate people so that accidents don't happen.
0: right. And, and so that you know, crazy evaluate. people stop committing atrocities. Right,
1: exactly. We
0: can't enable the abuser, which I feel like plenty of the, I suppose, the lack of laws, the lack of common sense regulation on these is, is actually anti-self-preservation, which is why I think it's important that we talk about an educational program to teach people how to, how to behave around firearms. Like that's, that's, I don't know many people who would even know how to hold a rifle. Right. Like, that's, that's a basic one-on-one. It's in the best interest of the general public for them to have the education on how to operate around these things. Because they're going to be there. You're going to see them. You're going to know someone who owns a weapon, and you just need to know how to behave around them. Yeah. Two, if you obtain one or you have to use one, hopefully you never do. I mean, that's the hope. But if you do, you need to know how to use it. And you need to know how to maintain it and take care of it and to have respect for the weapon. And that's something that I think plenty of people just do not have. But the solution isn't to just ban them. No. The solution is to, is to figure out who should have it and and then figure out, you know, how we can keep people safe. Because that's the whole point of the Second Amendment is to keep people safe. It's not for hunters. You know, I think Jesse Ventura said on the Joe Rogan podcast that I was watching just the other day is that he was saying something like, you know, the, the Second Amendment wasn't put there for hunters because you hunted or you died back in those days. It, you wouldn't put something so common within the law. right? No, 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 you you didn't, no, the, it was there for protection. It was for freedom's sake. And if we are going to, you know, put ourselves in a position where we're now being counterproductive to that value, well, we, things need to change. That doesn't mean we ban them, but they do need to change. And we yeah. do need to figure out a way to, like, make sure that people are, are safe and secure around these things because they do serve a purpose. But right now they're being very counterproductive
1: yeah i completely agree
0: i think we should talk about just some action that that can go involved and something that we can be continuously advocating for I mean, oh sure if i was gonna say us. like
1: there are plenty of actions that we've talked about already but you're talking about like what specifically people can do.
0: Yeah, and I think something that, like, if... Because we talked a lot about activism on this podcast and how that's, like, that's really how we're going to make democracy work for us. Like, that was what the first episode was about, right? Right, yeah. And so if you have the ability to... Even even if you're just talking with family, like, talking about some of these issues and how it's... What we really need to be focused on with this gun argument is, is a multitude of things. It's not just the guns. It's not just the people. But it also has to do with, like, circumstance. And... I think we really need to get into the nitty-gritty nuance of this topic if we're going to have a meaningful, successful outcome from this gun debate because we're still having it.
1: Yeah, no, there's this is still in its infancy, really, when we're talking about gun control.
0: Right. I mean, since Columbine in the '90s, I mean, we really have right? It was in '96 that Columbine happened. I think it was
1: '99,
0: wasn't it? Oh, I'm not super familiar.
1: I think Eminem made a reference to it. Okay. It was yeah, I think it was '99.
0: Okay. Well, my point is, is that since Columbine, we've, you know, we've, uh, we've been at this debate. I mean, that's, that's two decades. Yeah. We, we need to, we need to figure out a way to move forward. And especially, I think, I think with our generation and within the next two decades, as our generation sort of begins to...
1: Take over some things.
0: Yeah, be, and get into those management positions and start talking about how we want to shape the world for our own sake. I think it's important for people our age... To be considered of what we're going to advocate for when we get in those positions, and to be established in our thoughts and feelings behind it, right? So this is that. Right, portion. like
1: yeah, know why you believe what you believe. Like I've said yeah. that so many times throughout my life, but it's it applies to literally everything. Right. Like if you don't know why you think what you think, what you think is worthless, and it's gonna yeah. fall apart the second it's cross-examined.
0: Right, and so something that I think we need to advocate for for one is universal access to mental health treatment. Yeah. I think we have an issue underlying this gun problem that underlines every problem, is that America is really mentally unfit for a lot of things.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And you can talk all day about why or whose faults it is, but the fact is that mental illness is fucking rampant.
0: It's prevalent in everybody's life. We really need to address that issue. I
1: would say, because people are reluctant to seek out help for these issues, so Mm. I would say that everybody's had a mental health episode at some point in their life, probably. Probably. But many of us, if not most of, you know, Americans struggle with chronic mental illnesses.
0: Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I think the next portion, the next thing I want to talk about is, is programs that universally apply, apply across the board to assist in economic standards of individuals would reduce the incentive to be in pl- uh, to be placed in situations where gun violence is necessary. Now I wrote that as a quote. Hmm. Um, okay. so let me let me kind of dive into that a little bit. Sure. I really think that a lot of gun violence stems from crime. Now, people who are in an in an economic stand generally speaking. Now, obviously there are unique circumstances, but generally speaking, people don't feel incentive to commit a crime of opportunity. If they are already in a good situation. Yeah. So like if you're short on money, sometimes it's your own fault. But generally speaking, if you have disposable income, you're not going to be worried about when, you know, the next crime you're going to commit to, to, you know, you're not going to shoplift because you have to, right? Although
1: I've heard... I've heard stories of people shoplifting for fun, but those people are
0: just yeah. And those people are stupid, right? And I think, but
1: like generally, when you're speaking about people, like they're not going the to take an unnecessary so. risk.
0: Well, and I think that's that's what I'm getting at is that when your life is stable, you don't want to take risks to right. risk the stability of your life. Um, and I think there are there's a lot of instability in minority communities because of the situation in the system that America is li- like you know subjugated to and i and i know we we're going to discuss some of those racial issues in a future podcast mm-hmm. but even if we were to look at like who suffers the most economically in this country is minority issues is, or is the minorities that's an issue for the minority community right um and you know i think universal programs not means tested ones are more efficient and they raise the floor of the society as a whole
1: Right. And we've talked about this and we're going to talk about it again and again and again.
0: Yeah. And so to hammer home some of those previous points that we've made, I think I think this gun issue is also tied to the economic issues of this country because mm-hmm. there the working class, you know, anyone who's in that class, that that's that's something that can be applied to anybody of any you know, race, gender and and position in society. If you're in that working class, this is an issue that we need to really talk about because working class issues also tie into racial ones. They also tie into social economic standing, right? Obviously, but they also tie into the gun issue, which is a deeply rooted social issue and a cultural issue. And we really need to address that. I think in my personal opinion, from the stats that I'm reading and the research that we've done is that it's our opinion that if you can raise the floor of, of, of the society as a whole, You'll right. see a violence decrease. Yeah. And gun violence is a portion of the violent problem that we have the violence problem that we have in this country.
1: Right And a big portion, really. Yeah.
0: And I just saw a stat talking about how, because um, while we were researching this, I'm looking at all this information and one informa- one piece of information that stuck out to me was was that you know, handguns are the number one uh, method used in a violent crime. And the second most was knives, and then the third most was other methods, so unspecified method, like maybe a hand fight, or you picked up a glass and threw it at someone, right? Like something strange, like domestic violence. And then it was other weapons. So we're talking like a shotgun or an assault rifle. I think that's something we really need to talk about, because we need to get nuanced in these things. But a lot of these violent crimes that are committed with the handgun are most likely going to be robberies and, and opportunity crimes of that nature. And that's a result of economic circumstance, most likely. Right. And so we need to discuss like universal healthcare, universal job programs, universal housing, things that we can provide as a society. Now, that doesn't mean you get luxury mansions. You know, it doesn't mean you get a hundred thousand dollar a year job. But we're gonna talk about. We gotta talk about how we can make healthcare to everybody accessible and and universal. We need to talk about how. There are enough jobs to keep people working, to provide for themselves. We need to talk about how people need to have a roof over the head to be stable.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the coronavirus is going to force the hand of some of these politicians to talk about some of these issues because, you know, crises just amplify the problems that already exist in society. And so these things that have been pushed down and ignored are going to come to the surface very soon here.
0: And then I think the last point that I would make that we need to advocate for is specifically pertaining to the immediate issue on gun control is that the general public needs to be educated on how to own use and take care of a weapon. Not only would this keep the general public safe, it also appeases anyone who's pro gun, right? And I think in in a, in a big way, because you have to create compromise in politics. Politics is a a game of compromise Mm -hmm. and if you can make the argument that to have a general public that's educated and regulated on these gun issues, that that's actually more pro-Second Amendment than just having anybody willy-nilly purchase a gun from down the street, because yeah, that's Yeah, if you not actually safe.
1: read the Second Amendment.
0: If you read the Second Amendment you dive into what it means, it's pro-Second Amendment to make this compromise, which I don't understand why we've not made this compromise. Right. Because it seems so common sense, sensical, that we just dive into something like a... Like, I really think that if we had the option, I would immediately demand that everyone go through a gun safety course, everybody, because it's just important that we know what these things are. They're going to be out there. And it's something that we will never be able to avoid, even if there's an assault ban, because people will obtain them illegally. And we need to know how to curb that issue if we would ever come across that. And I think the general public being educated on these weapons is a good step in the right direction on how we continue to create a safe society.
1: Yeah, because I think, I think the biggest way to create chaos is to be afraid of something. Mm-hmm. I and so I, I think that going off of that, one of the main things that we need to do is to take, take away the mystery, take away the fear around these guns like there are plenty of things that we interact with on a daily basis that could have the potential to be deadly right and so and it all depends on how you look at it and so you know we need to you know look at the look at guns for what they are give them the respect that they deserve Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day educate ourselves so that we don't have to be afraid
0: yeah i'm i was really nervous to talk about this topic because it's such a controversial one. And I really am empathetic and and open to hearing all sorts of ideas from all s- different kinds of people. Yeah, and everybody's got a take on this, I think. And I think it's important to be willing to hear and listen to other people's, you know, really heartfelt beliefs on something so controversial and so widely affecting other people. And I don't want to come off as insensitive. And I really feel like I'm sure as soon as I post this and anyone who listens to it, could go back and point out how you know this is such a conservative take and i really again i think i think that that's the biggest thing that i worry about in the future after we publish this is that this this i'm sure this might come off as a really conservative take which is why i really wanted to put it in the the realm of how it it doesn't need to be a a partisan or a political spectrum issue that it's really a a a freedom issue it really is a a self-preserving and natural rights issue at its core yeah and I think I would hope that any of our listeners who have reached the end of this podcast would would understand our heart in this is that it's that it really is it needs to be a political it needs to be looked at not from a political perspective but really like a, a natural what is in the best interest of everyone um we have to be careful as we go forward on this debate because we don't want to leave anyone out of it. It's important that everyone be heard on this. It's important that everyone have a voice to share and talk about and talk about in a reasonable manner. And so I would, I would encourage any of our listeners to, to tweet at us or DM us or reach out and comment or um, even in your own personal sphere of influence to talk about this with your friends and your family because this is a topic that needs to be discussed because people people are dying from the lack of action taken on this issue and the lack of education, the lack of debate. It just seems like there are two predominant voices being heard, and that's the people who think we should ban all weapons and then the people who think that everybody should have a weapon. And those are just, like most partisan issues, really irrational and un- unreasonable. And yeah, so I it's dangerous
1: to look at it from that closed-minded viewpoint. It is.
0: It's very dangerous to look at it from a closed-minded viewpoint like those. And so, again, I encourage you guys to continue this debate after you've listened to this podcast and continue to, to have conversations and be open-minded. That's the only way we're going to get through the other side and have, to, you know, have created a better future for ourselves and for future generations because that's the point of us talking about these things. If we're not creating a better, more perfect future, then what's the point?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think a great way to end it.
0: Mm-hmm, I agree that was guns and roses on the commons if you enjoyed the episode please consider sharing it on twitter and tag us at the commons wcm thanks for supporting the commons podcast